Hi, this is Darren Dockerman, one half of the Inglorious Trexperts, and we just want to encourage you to not only listen to the Inglorious Trexperts, but also listen to our sister podcasts, the 430 Movie and The Rebel and the Rogue and The Best Movies Never Made. We have so much for you to listen to on the Electric Surge Network, so give it a listen. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 Movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you'd never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 Movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and you are listening to War Week 2. War the Revenge. Movies, the Revenge. <laughs> the war, war Week 2, of course. Uh, war Week, uh, this is our second season. In our first season of the 430 movie, we did War Week for Memorial Day weekend. And now we are back for Veterans Day with War Week, war week two. 2. And to all those veterans out there listening, thank you uh, for your service. I know people say that by rote, but um, we we truly mean it. It is an amazing thing, particularly in a country that doesn't have a draft, to uh, make the choice to go and join the military and to uh, defend your country and stand up for the values that it was founded on. So uh, we are genuinely appreciative. Uh, we know Steve has a lot of veterans in his family and... Uh, uh, really just amazing stories. It's no wonder there's so many great war movie. Um, you see the best and worst of humanity comes out during during war, and I think that's been reflected in the movies. But uh, uh, today on the 430 movie is War Week 2, which means we cannot repeat the movies we uh, selected in War Week 1. Yeah. Uh, so um, before there was the Weimar Republic, there was... Uh, <laughs> no, actually, we had... Uh, Steve picked uh, The Longest Day... Uh, that was Monday in uh, War Week. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Darren picked uh, Ed Zwick's Glory. Uh, Ashley picked Kelly's Heroes. Uh, my pick for Thursday was Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now, the original theatrical cut. That's why today I'll be picking the final cut, which just came out <laughs> of USD. Uh, and then, of course, um, for Friday, our consensus pick was Patton. The brilliant Franklin Schaffner film, Patton. So it was Longest Day, Glory, Kelly's Heroes, Apocalypse Now, Patton. None of those films are eligible for War Week 2. Um, and they have been retired with honors. <laughs> my, my, many medals were I should have kissed the son of a beep. <laughs> <laughs> we watched your DVD, Rommel. <laughs> Magnificent bastard, I watched your podcast. <laughs> and of course, as always, I'm here with Stephen Melching. Reporting for duty. Darren Dogterman. Ashley E. Miller. Ashley? <laughs> Ashley! Oh my God! Private pile! Ashley! Do you expect God to miracle your the top of my podcast? I don't think so! And I'm Mark A. Altman, and uh, welcome back to the 430 movie. In fact, you're Mark the Altman. Yeah. <laughs> Mark the Altman, that's, that's, that's right. So, uh, you know, we decided, uh, this is the first, I think, encore where we've come back to a topic. We, we were wondering, when would we end up repeating? You know, would it be Alfred Hitchcock? Would it be Guilty Pleasures? Would it be In the Shadow of Star Wars Week? But here we are, our first uh, sequel week, which is right. um, uh, War Week uh, 2, which seems appropriate. Well, unfortunately, we seem to keep having wars over and over again throughout history, so um, why not? It's the game the whole family can play. Yes, but there, there are. I mean, it is such a, um, you know, fertile topic for films. It's produced just a tremendous number of really terrific movies. Yeah, sure. it has. Only some of which we'll touch on today, and um, of course, uh, I'm waiting for like Risk, the board game, to be adapted. I mean, if they could do Battleship, wow, uh, Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, uh, we start our week uh, with uh, Steve Melching. Steve Melching, who uh, I think told a really, really, I mean, I remember the last time, if you haven't heard this episode, please go back and listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, a, w a wonderful story about um, his trip to uh, Normandy and the beaches of France, and he extolled the virtues of Ken Anakin's The Longest Day, which was very interesting because shortly after that, I met Ken Anakin's daughter. Oh, no kidding. And uh, we talked about your Princess pick, Leia? and she was very honored that, uh, yeah, Princess Leia. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and she was very flattered that you picked her, 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 her father's movie and very oh, it was proud. A, it was a really tremendous achievement as a film. You know, it's a terrific movie that uh, really told that story well. And, uh, you know, to, it was a very sobering moment to visit that beach where... 
you know, those events had transpired and where my grandfather had driven landing craft ashore. And later where your uh, um, wallet was lifted. Yes. But of course, that was yes. in Paris. I got that pickpocketed was, in Paris on the way home. On, 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 the, on the metro. <laughs> so if, uh, if you're listening, please send uh, the uh, postage paid uh, return wallet to Steve. You know, I didn't really... The worst thing about that experience was the wallet itself. I really liked that particular wallet, and I could not <laughs> find another one to replace it that was it was as good. So, anyway. Steve, if you love a wallet, don't take it anywhere. Okay. Well, uh, well, let's see <laughs> if you can pick a movie as good as The Longest Day for our sequel week, World World uh, uh, War Week Two, War Week Two uh, for Monday. Well, I'm going uh, in kind of a different direction uh, for this for this pick. Um, since uh, this week we're we're uh, remembering uh, Veterans Day. Uh, Veterans Day began. It was originally called Armistice Armistice Day, which uh, which uh, 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 memorialized the end of World War One on uh, November 11th, the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month. So I'm going to pick a movie. Um, that is about World War One, and it's a movie that came out last year. Uh, a tremendous documentary uh, directed by Peter Jackson that uh, it tells the story of the uh, British soldiers' experiences in the war entirely in their own words and using only uh, film that was shot during the war. And I'm talking about uh, "They Shall Not Grow Old." Great choice. <laughs> And if you have not, I'm su- constantly surprised. I run into an awful lot of people who have never even heard of this movie. And right. I, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's subject matter I'm interested in. I was all over this thing as oh, soon yeah. as they Fathom announced it. played it, and then Warner Brothers ended up releasing it yeah. uh, because there was so much demand for it. Yeah, and I saw it twice in the movie theater and bought, and then went and bought the Blu-ray when it came out. It is This movie is tremendous. So, so what it is is uh, the Imperial War Museum contacted Peter Jackson about making a documentary about World War One, and they they wanted him to use their footage that they had that they was in their collection. They had you know hundreds of hours of of original sixteen millimeter black and white footage, and Peter Jackson took it uh, and used you know put all of the 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 Weta his Weta special effects you know machine into action to restore this footage and made it look like it could have been shot yesterday. Colorized it. Yeah, they not only just took the original image and and cleaned them up, you know, took out all the the, the, the scratches and and, and the stuttering. They fixed the timing of them because those cameras were all hand-cranked. So when you play them back at 24 frames per second, they're always, you know, you get that silent film effect where everything's a little too fast and it's comical. They they were able to to fix the timing of the shot so the, all the movement is natural, very natural, and then they colorized them uh, very meticulously. And then for the theatrical release, they they converted it to 3D, which mm. was actually right. pretty uh, pretty remarkable. And then for the soundtrack, they they went through hundreds of hours of archived interviews with World War One veterans that the BBC had conducted. Uh, I think primarily in the 50s and 60s. Um, and 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 laid that in over these images, uh, then combined with uh, sound effects that they recorded, you know, often using you know actual tanks and vehicles that Peter Jackson had in mm-hmm. his personal collection, because he's got this. Tremendous... He's building an army. Yeah, he's right. building a secret <laughs> army in New he's Zealand. He's invading Australia <laughs> with biplanes and <laughs> biplanes and motorcycles. <laughs> But this movie, you know, it's it's really remarkable to see. It really hu- sort of humanizes this war in a way that it never really was, you know, because there most of the footage that we ever saw of World War One was very grainy and and high contrast, and it was all sped up, and and there was it was the first war that was really filmed, right. You know, and not in terms of all the the technology, the horrible technology that was brought to bear in the combat in terms of, you know, whether it's poison gas or airplanes or barbed wire 
tanks and like you know all these weapons of war we also had the technology of filmmaking to document mm. some of this stuff and but it suffers in comparison to world war ii which was really well documented yeah and of course if you you know for a while the history channel was called like the world war ii channel right. it's all they ever showed at the time were these world war ii documentaries and world war one by contrast was very under documented at least in yeah. terms of the amount of material that was put out into the world plus the you know that world war ii generation there were so many filmmakers the the filmmaking right. industry like had be, had matured had, by that right. point and so they went to war and they came back yes. like there was like there's the five went to war um documentary that's on netflix was it five five came back five, five came, came back, back. sorry which is terrific back, which is amazing um and you know people made movies about their experiences so it became part of the popular culture in a way that simply didn't happen yeah. after after world war one because it, it simply couldn't but culture can you just imagine wasn't like some of this technology that peter jackson used e even though world war ii was much better documented you know, there were still 16 millimeter cameras yeah. and they were still a little, you know, grainy. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you imagine if they do this kind of restoration work? And they shot a lot of black and white films still in right. World War II as well. Right. So. World War II and 4K know, HD. I, I, absolutely. And I think what's really interesting is you have this generation of filmmakers that went to war, like as documented Five came back. Some of the greatest filmmakers of the time, like John Ford, who famously, you know, documented some of the great battles, Willie Wyler, mm -hmm. um, George Cukor. But um, these but, are men who really put themselves in, like William Wyler was on B-17 bomber missions. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the fatality rate in those missions was pretty terrifying. Right. And then you have a generation of filmmakers like Spielberg, whose parents fought mm. in World War Two. Mm -hmm. So you really see World War Two getting the love in a sense uh, that World War One didn't. Right. Because yeah. uh, filmmaking wasn't a mature medium at, 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 the, at the time. Um, and of course, there were so many films that were being made while World War Two was going on. Right. And, you know, you, you, you know, and, and this is not for this podcast, but I mean, you have a lot of the Jewish film moguls that were being concerned of sort of pushing America into war. So they weren't really documenting the Nazi atrocities at first. And there was a lot of allegories and, and uh, you know, trying to avoid, you know, and, and there was a lot of business being done in Germany at the time. And so, you know, it really wasn't until, the, you know, the Warner Brothers started really going after the Germans that people got a sense in the newsreels and things that, of, the, of, of the horror of what was going on, how bad Hitler was. Because and and films were a huge part of that, mm -hmm. uh, of making people aware of uh, just how bad things were in Germany and in Europe. Uh, so it's it's f film is a part of the story, yeah. right. whereas in World War One, that's not as much the case. Well, because in World War One, the only uh, medium that people got information from yeah. were newspapers, right. mm -hmm. and uh, you know none of the electronic media we have uh, existed. Radio had not yet been developed enough for uh, mass consumption. So the internet was right out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so there was no way to sort of quote popularize the war. Yes. Well, well and I mean film itself was only what maybe 15 or 20 years yeah, old right. at that yeah. point. Yes, yes. So it was the a very new technology from people freaking out from seeing a film of a train moving right. past them. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um you know the the technical achievement of they shall not grow old I, I simply can't be understated and like the and the care that they took mm -hmm. in um, it, we say things like oh they 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 colorized it very meticulously which is which is true but that is almost glib because mm -hmm. what the the movie really details the the efforts that they went to um, they would go to the battlefields and they would take reference shots mm -hmm. of the battlefield so that they could get like the real color of those areas. It wasn't an artist guessing on yeah, what it yeah. should look like. Um, they would sample what the color should look like. They would get the real uniforms. They would go through this entire exercise just to recreate the scene and make you believe that you're in it. Um, one of my favorite moments from that movie, which I think I saw with you on yeah. your second time around, um, was when they had a, a shot of just a, one of the an NCO who was reading orders. Yes. to a group of soldiers. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, they didn't know what he was reading to them. But then somebody found a copy of some orders that matched up with what it seemed that he was saying. And well, they, they, they knew right. the date that the film was shot. Right. And they found some orders that were sent out on that date. And so they actually have as though like it just you feel like he's actually saying it. And 
it's just but you also don't feel like even though they're creating it you don't feel as though they are um they're exploiting they're, it right it doesn't feel like artifice right, right? um the, it, the only time when it wasn't a veteran speaking was when they did they hired forensic lip readers to right. try to figure out what the people were saying and right. then they would get a voice actor to to say those words right it, it, just amazing oh by the way if, if you get this movie the the bonus on it is you know, I think it's what, like 90 minutes of the of the documentary. And then there's like another 60 minutes, which is just on the making of it, which is equally fascinating, mm. uh, which is totally also worth a watch. Yeah. You know, the thing about this film is it really invented a new genre of storytelling. It's not really a documentary and it's not, you know, a narrative film. It, it's 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 it combines you know, the best of both, although it's more of a documentary than it is a narrative film, but it's so brilliant of Peter Jackson because he's really making history accessible to a new generation by telling it in such an immediate and visceral way. Because I think all of us can watch a documentary and love documentaries, as we, we but but for a whole generation, they need to have it sort of spoon-fed to them. And, and the, the immediacy of this is just remarkable. And, and as you say, the technology, because I think we all is, um, were people who remember Turner, you know, announcing back when he acquired the MGM library back in the 80s, you know, colorization and how horrified we were, along with many filmmakers, you know, about the colorization thing. And colorization has never been done well. And, um, you know, even the World War II and color documentaries, you know, they're fine. But uh, this was just a whole nother level of uh, technical uh, and, and, and in the service of telling the story. Right. It's a historical recreation, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost an archaeological effort. Yeah. Uh, where it's just kind of bringing out these things like as it would have been seen at the time so that we can share in that. It's So you're right. It goes beyond just documenting it. And it's not quite a narrative. It's just it is really sort of a, a whole different way of doing research and kind of being very academic and yet emotionally involving all at the same time. It's like time. the holodeck. It kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a fantastic way to kick us off. Unexpected and just perfect. Yeah. Um, so, Darren, Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday. Um, I think that uh, one of the one of the things we were talking about earlier was uh, that during the time of uh, World War II, there were a lot of filmmakers who uh, uh, not only wanted us to get into the war, but were already in the war, right? And uh, that because of the enormous reach of motion pictures to not only the United States, but the world, um, it raised the awareness of what was going on. Um, this sort of fed into almost uh, counter-programming to show, I mean, later, to show the more sort of human aspects of the war to uh, the more, I, I hesitate to say, enjoyable aspects of the war. And that leads me to the 1963 movie, The Great Escape. With Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Rick Dalton. Right. Fresh off of like 14 fifths of McCluskey. In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, it was, uh, we'll diverge a little bit and talk about this a little bit. I thought it was extremely um, wrong. Oh, wow. And 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 just there for a, a punchline, right? Especially if I don't you, disagree, but I loved it. <laughs> especially if you're not going to replace uh, the footage from the Sharon Tate movie with the act the the oh, you with know, uh, Margot Robbie with Mar- uh, Margot Robbie, and I, I just thought it, it because it it doesn't happen again in the movie that kind of thing. But it's such a funny story because Steve McQueen is such an important figure in that movie. Agreed. And then to have, you know, show, you know, he did this whole rumor that Rick Dalton almost got it and to actually physically put him in The Great Escape. As he imagines himself in the film. And he's awful. Yeah. You know, and I, I just love that. Plus, I just love the fact that The Great Escape is used because, of course, The Great Escape is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And to, to see it getting, you know, the love from, not only from Quentin, but a whole generation that's watching it and just probably thinks it's just some thing that Quentin shot for right. this movie right. that doesn't even know what The Great Escape is. Look, I, I think it's funny and I and I enjoyed it at the time. I just think it's extremely uh, self-indulgent and expensive. The entire for... movie's self-indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> Why pick on that scene? Because it's, it's, it's to the nth degree. Anyway. 
Um, okay, that's a yeah. that's a different podcast. But let's let's talk about uh, let's your talk pay. about escape. John Sturges directed uh, The Great Escape, which I love. So do I. Um, it's got an amazing score. Albert uh, Bernstein. Uh, that um, that Robert Zemeckis used this score for his uh, his thesis film oh, at yes. USC. That's right. Um, about uh, a a, a uh, discharged soldier on a on a city bus. Uh, uh, oh gosh! What's imagine the name of that? it's called uh, Field of Valor. Yes. Uh, that Zemeckis did as his uh, his graduate project. Um, but and it had the score for uh, Great Escape in it. But it's it's such a wonderful sort of it's almost a last gasp of old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but it it features so many of the wonderful actors that we would see later in the '60s and the '70s, um, sort of beginning their journeys. And you know James Coburn, James Steve Coburn, McQueen, Steve McQueen, James Garner, Donald the, Pleasance. The, just the the uh, you know, and Stan is in it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Lawrence Montaigne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, um, I would have Stan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, Ilya Kuryakin is in it. Oh yeah, Dave McCallum. David McCallum. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's riddled da- r- with r- Richard Attenborough. Yeah, Dickie Attenborough. Yeah, yeah. it's riddled with wonderful actors. And they're they're just everywhere. Charles <laughs> Br- Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. Yeah. Oh my God. Bronson. Donald I, Pre- Pleasance. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so good, and everyone has uh, a moment at least in the film to shine. Yes. And it's, however briefly, because however some of them briefly. don't make it. Well. You know, yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, uh, the poor guy who wanted to be a uh, who who was a, uh, a horse jockey, he didn't make it because he was too short. You know the one you can hardly understand. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You got to shut it up with wood. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so good, and and you know, freaking Steve McQueen is so cool and so awesome in it. He's uh, arguably he's in another movie. He's <laughs> in another movie, and it's just as good. It's yeah. just as good. <laughs> Because you know all these, you know all the British guys are serious, and they're in a they're in a, a serious war movie. <laughs> and Steve McQueen's arrogant, just waltzing through, American. Ha- having a good time. Yeah. You know, smart alecking with the with the Luftwaffe officers, and it's just so so fun. And uh, you know, if you haven't seen it. Just see it. Well, it's so funny. We talked about, I guess, in Western Week, in Magnuson 7, you know, where Yul Brenner is just, you know, uh, oozing charisma. So it was one of Steve McQueen's first movies for John Sturgis. And there's a scene where they're riding, uh, you know, to go to the funeral, you know, and he's running shotgun on the hearse. And he's doing all this stuff with his hat, moving his hands, because he didn't want to get overshadowed by Yul Brenner, because Steve McQueen always wanted to be the center of attention. And it's the same thing in The Great Escape. He's just doing whatever he can to, 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 to make... Make sure you're looking at him, and and he radiates, you know, total star wattage. But it's amazing because these other guys are just doing nothing, and they're just as uh, completely uh, draw you in as much as all the shtick that Steve McQueen's doing. I mean, let's face it, the whole motorcycle chase is ridiculous. Yeah, but it's great. Yeah, right. And and but it has no place in that movie other than Steve McQueen, you know, had learned to ride motorcycles yeah. and wanted to do a motorcycle chase. Yeah. But it's also weirdly iconic. I mean, it's the for me, that's the image that jumps first to mind sure. when thinking about The Great Escape. I mean... Well, it's on the movie poster. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on but, a yeah, gorgeous it's, movie poster. Yeah, yeah. gorgeous yeah. movie I mean, I think it's a, a great adventure. I think it's very fun, but what I admire about it is it doesn't quite have a Hollywood ending, does it? No. Oh, no. No. Right? Oh, no. And yet no. it gets away with it. And yeah. you would never be able to make that movie in and that way. And it's so too. well done. It's so yeah. subtle. It's so deft yeah. at... at Bringing you along the path with these guys, and you f- you feel all of their feelings. You're you're up when they're up. You're down when they're down. And uh, and it's interesting how they treat the uh, the Luftwaffe uh, uh, soldiers as sympathetic as as sympathetic yes. because they they treat them like well they don't like this situation either. They don't like the Gestapo yeah. either. Yeah. They're they're just yeah. as scared of the Gestapo as as we are. Yes, and it's very interesting. And I think it's it's probably one of the first times where you know 
Nazis have been humanized, mm. you know, as as being real people with real feelings. Because by then it's, 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 it's the mid-60s. Sure. And we're further away from the war. Yeah. And there's Nearly a little 20 more years nuanced from the approach. War, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, well, and, and, you know, the, the, the Germans that ran these POW camps were generally not your hardcore Nazis. Right. They were Wehrmacht, you know, regular German right. soldiers. And and the Luftwaffe administered these camps. Right. And there was, it was all airmen that were that were placed in these camps. So they had a certain agreement, gentlemen's agreement right. among themselves. That actually continued on from World War One, where the... The, the aviators mm-hmm. flew in the skies. They were the knights of the sky, right. jousting in the sky, and they they respected each other. Whereas the soldiers on the ground, wanted they were fucking, just grunts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's fact. I mean, this movie also based on a true story. Absolutely, yes. yeah. and the true story is amazing. Yes, yes. Because all the stuff you see in the movie, I mean, most of it, actually happened, and yeah. it's all the more um, astounding <laughs> that. Not only the stuff that you see in the movie, but other things yeah. happened that, uh, you know, and obviously this is taken from several stories. It, it, it wasn't yeah, it's a just, it, it's a pastiche of what happened. And Stephen but, Rubin, who did the uh, bonus content, has recently did a documentary on The Great Escape, which is worth seeing oh, as well. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's a huge fan of Great Escape. Right. He wrote the uh, James Bond films book, and uh, uh, Stephen J. Rubin, and, and right. he, he, he's, he's been documenting The Great Escape for quite a while, and he just came out with a new movie about it. Oh, that's it. awesome. I yeah, yeah. It. It's, it's an amazing, uh, amazing film. So many memorable scenes. We talked about the motorcycle chase, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's also the great scene on the bus where they 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 catch him when yeah. when, when you know they, they they're, they're they're boarding the bus yeah, and he says yeah, yeah he says uh, your german is very good yeah, thank you you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah which apparently is a way they would catch right. yeah. uh p- p- people and of course you know james garner is just oozing charm oh yeah uh, james garner you know when, when he's when he's basically seducing that guard yeah 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 yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um you know g- giving him chocolate and uh, cigarettes and uh, you know get uh, you know being the confidence man to uh, blackmail him into, uh, you know, getting them cameras and things like that. And no matter how many times I've seen that movie, when they dig the tunnel too short oh. and they're escaping and, and and they're concerned about, you know, being caught, you know, as they're making that run yeah. from the tunnel into the woods, I mean, I'm on the edge of my right. seat every yeah. time. I know what happens. <laughs> right. And it's still a nail biter, as is when they're looking for the tunnels and doing the inspections in the um, yeah. in, 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 in the uh, dormitories. They found Tom! Yeah. <laughs> That's just the audaciousness of the plans that yeah. these prisoners would come up with to escape are yep. just incredible. The 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 guts, yeah. the you know, it's incredible that they were able to dig these tunnels and and rig them up with with uh, with ventilation so they mm-hmm. could breathe and like disposing of all the earth that they had yeah. to move out of it it's and like shoring MacGyver. them up so they wouldn't collapse. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. The, the contraptions they would do to scatter the dirt because the dirt yeah, from right. the tunnels didn't match the dirt in the yard. So right. they had to find a way to distribute the dirt evenly that they wouldn't know that they were digging. I mean, it's remarkable. I mean, I, I've seen that movie. So, and it's, what, three and a half hours, three hours? Yeah. I've seen it so many times. Yeah, me too. Me just too. can't get enough of that movie. And it's just wildly entertaining. Yeah. Aside from everything else. Captain Hiltz. <laughs> yeah, it's not you know it's not some stuffy old movie it's just it's very entertaining it's yeah. suspenseful it's got great characters great cast and i'm i'm both dreading and looking forward to the time when i hear that they're going to remake it with modern actors kind of like the hogan's heroes remake oh my god yeah have you heard al ruddy is doing a sequel to hogan's heroes but the crazy thing about it is it's about the descendants of the people from that camp who are now like the A team, I was like, what? "What does that have to do with Hogan's Heroes?" <laughs> you know, we were joking Hogan's the Heroes. other day that that it was going to be what is it? So is Schultz going to be in Nuremberg on trial? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I know nothing. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It's 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 crazy, or is it just you know, Bob Crane's descendant is like putting together a group of women? <laughs> He's, I don't know. He's hanging out at scores. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah. um, so Tuesday. That's a great, 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 two great picks. Amazing. Now we're at Ashley. So <laughs> um, it's it's Wednesday here on the four thirty movie. We're in War Week two. Uh, great war movies, or maybe not great war movies. Just more movies that just should be part of this this conversation. Group part of the conversation. So once again, Darren Dockerman, you're a sorcerer. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, I was waiting for you to, to just go outside the box again, and I was thinking, well, I'll, 
I'll, I'll go inside the box. But you stayed inside the box, forcing me to go outside the box in a very in-the-box sort of way. To be inside the other box. And there where we already did Hellraiser. Wait, oh, yeah, right. right. Boxes within boxes. It's like a Russian doll. Um, I carumba, man. Um, there are so many ways to go outside of this box, but I, I think I'm going to, because it's Veterans Day. Um, yes. And it's it's not just movies about war or World War II. Um, my out-of-the-box pick, mm. I, and I mean this with, like, with actual tremendous respect, because I, I think that um, this movie the the character at the heart of my pick um kind of represents how the culture perceives world war ii how we continue to perceive world war ii and uh the the men who who fought in it the men and women who participated in that war and the attitude of what we called the greatest generation and how fascinating it is to me that um even somebody as young as my son my 10 year old uh, looks at this character who kind of embodies those values uh, and finds that character to be aspirational. Um, and I, I know I'm waiting for Mark's reaction on this, ah. but my pick for Wednesday is Captain America. Mm. Now, it's oh. it's not my favorite Marvel movie. It's not oh. even my favorite Captain America movie. Uh. That said, I think there's a lot of wonderful things about it. I think it's that not quite the Empire Strikes it's Back, but it's close. <laughs> but uh, I think what Joe Johnston made mm. in that film was actually a, a love letter to that generation. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a, a very respectful film about what it was, what it must have been like for someone to want to be a part of something mm. bigger and greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who was willing to sacrifice and then makes that sacrifice, and yet still feels. Um, that he has to prove his worth constantly mm-hmm. um, and how his view of the world expands by going out into it and having his ideals tested. And I think there is so much about that character and there's so much about that film that is laudable um, that it makes it easy for me to kind of overlook a third act that I think doesn't quite work mm-hmm. because I think the things that need to work um, just just work beautifully. And obviously, you know, the I think the world responded to that character very positively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Captain America uh, became, um, I, I think, the spiritual center of the MCU for 22 movies. I, I think, spoiler alert, that the fate that he meets um, in the you know in Avengers Endgame um, was a was a worthy one. And I think that it really affected people in a in a real way. And again, I don't know that Endgame is even my favorite Avengers movie, but. Mm-hmm. But that arc that he follows, I think, actually speaks to people in a real way. And, and I find it more affecting um, than, than some movies that set out with malice aforethought uh, mm. to tell us stories about that generation. So that's, I mean, that's my case for Captain America. Uh, I think it's a compelling case. I know you're going to make my son very happy. Um, <laughs> But I will say that, uh, you know, my first reaction was, oh, here he goes again. But after hearing you articulate that, it's true. I love the idea. It it does show at that time how much people wanted to serve. And even though this was a guy who was a weakling who had, you know, bone spurs or whatever, he was willing to sacrifice everything to serve a greater cause. You know, he believed in something bigger than himself. And, you know, the great thing about that character through his entire arc is he never becomes jaded. You know, he's never sarcastic. He's never arch, you know, he's so authentic and it's so refreshing. And, you know, I remember when Chris Evans was cast, everybody's like, oh, the guy from Fantastic Four. And he's so perfect. He's so pitch perfect in all those movies. But, you know, despite the flaws, the Joe Johnston original, you're right, that, that first couple of acts work like gangbusters. Yeah. And then it becomes the movie that Hugo Weaving hates, you know, right. the, the the sci-fi laser guns, you know, in 1940s. It's just, it's, but but it, 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 so much of that works. I mean, that movie works overall, you know, despite, you know, the clumsy filmmaking. Right. Despite, it, look, that, that franchise became a franchise because of that movie. That movie earns a lot of goodwill, whatever its failings, because it, it really provides the foundation, really, in a way, more than even Iron Man for the entire MCU yep. and what emerged from all that. So, I mean, it's it's a really well, interesting pick. Because the character himself is so worthy. Yeah. That's right. the That's the key. Because, I mean, that, that scene where he jumps on the, on the uh, grenade mm-hmm. is so beautiful. Yep. 
and so sweet and moving that, you know, I'm with him the rest of the journey. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just so, I mean, we rarely get to see actual good people in movies. Yeah, no anti-hero. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's, it's, he's completely hero. He's completely a good human being. And that is so refreshing. And he's not a Pollyanna. You know, right. It's yeah. like he recognizes humanity and, and what we're capable of, both good and bad. Yeah. But he he sticks to his moral center, which yeah. is what yeah. I think is fascinating. And what's so great. Becomes oh, the moral center of the whole right. MCU. <laughs> right. And what's so great, you know, is we see, you know, particularly the generation of uh, young boys and girls that, you know, these characters are role models, whether it be Black Widow or, whatever, you know, and. And and we know better, you know, kids who are obsessed with these Marvel movies, you know, the way we were with the whole different group of movies. I would say Star Wars, but the kids are obsessed with Star Wars too. Right. So, um, you know, to see somebody like that, because, you know, let's face it, I mean, Tony Stark is not a great role model, you know. <laughs> right. um, whereas, you know, Captain America, I think there's a really great message there, and these movies really speak to a whole generation of kids and so it's great that a character like that exists and a movie like Captain America the first Avenger um, uh, w- works and um, it's remember I remember it came out like I think the same weekend as uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes or mm-hmm. the first of the remakes of the Planet of the Apes and they could not be more <laughs> different in terms of because that one just has oh god humanity is just awful right and um yeah, it's I you know as as as, as much as I want to say oh there he goes again, <laughs> um, I think it's a great pick. Thank you. You know, and it does represent this idea of Veterans Day of service of of mm-hmm. sacrifice of you know all these things about why people want to um, be part of the military, why people care about um, more than just themselves, and right. and Captain America epitomizes all of that. Well, wanting to serve his country and and stop this spread of sort of existential evil. Yeah, and it's not like he's drafted or forced to. You know, it's like he want he's desperate to 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 serve and make a difference. And, and he doesn't have to learn the importance of it. He knows it yeah. from the beginning. Right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a it's a great pick. Puts me on notice because for Thursday, man, you're on I'm, notice. I'm, uh, I'm I, I, serving I, notice to you. I got, I got, I got, I got trouble. I got trouble. I'm, I'm a world of hurt because there's so many movies, <laughs> so many movies. I could go so many different ways. And it, it, in a game, in a way, this is like a game of chess because you pick, you know, a certain kind of film, this brilliant World War One film from this year that hopefully the Academy will recognize in some fashion for, you know, what it does. Um, you know, pick just a total popcorn crowd-pleasing wonderful more stars than there are in heaven uh you know just one of these big it's such a 60s film mm-hmm. you know such a 60s film um and then and then you pick you know some sort of a modern classic ish mm-hmm. and uh but but also just very iconic important film you know from the is it the 2000s um so that that puts me like what's the right balance you know and i'm trying to figure figure out what that is because you know is it something like renoir's grand delusion probably too pretentious even though it's a great a great film you know is it a cold war film which we haven't had mm-hmm. yet you know mm-hmm. my first inclination went to from russia with love but of course we had that in bond week so you know is it something like dr strange love right maybe but um, that was my second choice. That was my second and choice. I, that was it, it's my second choice too. <laughs> um, you know, and then we talked about you know doing you know a, a Kubrick week anyway. So maybe right. it's more appropriate for for Kubrick week. Um, I, I did consider, and I'm not going to go with this because I've only seen it once, and I have nothing to add about this movie because I don't. It affected me so much I never wanted to see it again, which was The Killing Fields, mm-hmm. oh, uh, Roland right. Joffe's movie, yep. and about the Cambodian genocide right. and. Um, I saw it once. I found it incredibly powerful. Never wanted to see it again. Right. Sam Worson. Um, and, and, and I literally, other than saying The Killing Fields, I can't tell you much more about it because I don't remember. I just remember it really hit me very hard, but I don't remember much about it. Um, so my pick, my pick is going to be, and I'm looking at just, uh, you know. Um, is, Cheating. I'm not cheating. No, I have a list of a couple of films that I I made my notes about. You know, just yes. that with that I want to consider Great Escape is taken. <laughs> you know, you know, I did not have Captain America on my list, uh, but uh, I did have Stripes. I don't know what I was thinking, um, and I think that would yeah. be a little insulting for Veterans Day. You don't get uh, to judge Captain America and then list Stripes. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the out of the box pick. I'm gonna go with the out of the box pick. 
Ernest Lubitsch's To Be or Not To Be. Okay. This is not the Mel Brooks film. This is Jack Benny and Carol yeah. Lombard. Much like The Great Dictator. It's a movie which shows the power of satire to lampoon. Right. Uh, because it's very early, you know, when it was... And, and, and uh, they play the stater troupe um, in Poland, uh, you know, on the dawn of, uh, of, of, of uh, you know, World War II. And it's just... Um, it, it's, it's hysterical. And at the same time, but it's dealing with a very, very serious issue. They call me Concentration Camp Earhart. I mean, it's, it's, and then there's an impersonation of Hitler, which is much more effective than in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, <laughs> much more apt because, you know, people were living this. And this is another film like Casablanca where a lot of the people who are in the movie were actually displaced and mm-hmm. people who are fleeing Europe. Um, but it is, it is, it is a brilliant. I've, I've never seen Jack. Uh, Benny would be funnier. You know, when I was a kid, I used to listen to repeats of his radio show. Sure. Um, and because uh, I'm not that old, I didn't listen to it live. <laughs> um, but I just think To Be or Not To Be is is uh, just this really extraordinary comedy. They talk about the Lubitsch touch, and his touch was uh, uh, just, I mean, this movie is, because it's right on the, 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 the edge of, of being offensive, you know, potentially, because of the subject matter that, that it's dealing with, where you could say, oh, my God, how could you be satirizing or parroting, you know, such awful uh, atrocities? And... Uh, you know, at the center of it is this really pompous character played by Jack Benny and his wife, Carol, the luminous Carol Lombard, is having an affair with Robert Stack, an American aviator. And uh, so whenever he says to be or not to be and goes into this long thing, that Robert Stack would sneak out to go have an affair with Carol Lombard, which Jack Benny doesn't care about. He only cares about how could someone be walking out on my performance? <laughs> and he has it out for this character. But this is the guy who like walks out on on my on my performance. And and so it, it's a story that deals with the resistance uh, in a really comedic way. Like I said, you know, it's on par with to me with like the Great Dictator, you know, Charlie Chaplin's film, uh, you know, and not unlike Doctor Strange Love, which also uses comedy to deal with a very very serious issue. Um, as, as does uh, MASH, which dealt with the Korean War, but was really dealing with the Vietnamese, mm-hmm. uh, the Vietnam War. Um, so it, it's amazing that smart satire can be um, so uh, so utterly effective. And so uh, in my case, I'm like I said, I'm going to go out of the box. I'm going to go uh, with uh, to, be, to Be or Not To Be. It, 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 you know, a lot of people know the Mel Brooks version, which is not particularly good. Um but the original Ernest Lehman, uh, Ernest Lehman, yeah. Ernest, uh, <laughs> the original Ernest Lubitsch uh, version is just, uh, it, it is a classic. Um, it, it's brilliant. And it just shows you what a loss. Uh, you know, Carol Lombard d- died during World War II right. in a plane crash where she was helping to sell war bonds. Um, you, you know, this is back in the time of the activist actor where it, being on Twitter and tweeting or on Facebook was not a political engagement. I mean, she was off with the troops and yeah. on planes and traveling and walking trying the walk. walking the walk and not just tweeting the tweets. Yeah. So, um, really remarkable. And 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 that's yeah. just and an Jack act. Benny's amazing. At Jack it. Benny is amazing at it. Yeah. He's so funny because this is a guy who was not afraid to play a pompous ass. Right. I mean, he was in a way very much. It was like that Robert Downey Jr. kind of just so. You know, just made uh, uh, being narcissistic Self, charming. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, just, just, just absolutely adore that that movie. And so, um, and I'm, I'm a, like I said, a big fan of of satire. So, um, and 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 it's a film that I think is oft overlooked. So, you know, my my inclination to go with the Dirty Dozen was trumped <laughs> by uh, by going with uh, to be or not to be, because I, I sort of lumped the Dirty Dozen in with. Um, uh, Great Escape yeah. Yeah. as one of these great 60s super cast right. kind of movies and um, as much as you know I love The Dirty Dozen that's sort of like my Father's Day movie that's like you know right. that's like your alpha dad movie um, but uh, but but I'm going to go with To Be or Not To Be which is my cinephile choice yes <laughs> <laughs> well I'm glad you picked it because I've never seen it uh, I've only seen the Mel Brooks version, mm. um, and now I feel like I have something really interesting and and good to watch. You something should. To, it's really funny. It's yeah. laugh out loud funny. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes it's that kind of movie where you feel like really awful laughing because it's like <laughs> it's so hard. This is the thing. Like people now, like they just get offended. Like right. you would laugh at this and say. Oh my God! I can't believe I'm laughing at this because it's so offensive. Rather than this is so offensive, who can I get fired? Right. You know. Um, 
<laughs> so uh, I just, I just, it's, it's a really remarkable. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, and just talking about it now makes me want to go. Uh, it has just real belly laughs in it. Yeah, which is really, really funny and very, you know, again made in the. the at the time, right. these movies are such an interesting historical document because they're being made you know, at the time this stuff's all happening. So right. these people's perspectives on what's going on and, 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 and the apathy among some and the engagement by others. And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, trying to hide uh, certain political opinions because they were unpopular or mm-hmm. could be. I mean, they're not even they don't even mention that Jack Benny, you know, and Carol Lombard are, are Jewish in this movie, all, even though they clearly are. Um and and it's just some wild comedic set pieces that are just, you know, hysterical with the caper and stuff mm-hmm. where they're impersonating certain characters and going about their 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 work and this theater troupe that's uh, you know gets involved in in this whole thing and it's 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 great it's just great. I'm I'm with Ashley. I've never seen this movie either. I've certainly heard of it mm-hmm. and I'm familiar with you know Lubitsch. You um, dig it the most. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to try to seek this out as well. Criterion put it out. It's a great Criterion mm. disc. So, um, you know, that would be the version I would say. Or if you have the Criterion channel, which mm-hmm. I probably, I'm sure it airs on the Criterion channel. I may even be on right now on, on Criterion streaming service, uh, which we haven't talked about much. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of these movies, you know, uh, highly recommended. I know everybody's really excited about Disney Plus, as I am. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the the Criterion channel is absolutely something worth getting. It's not that expensive. And uh, there's some really great movies I on there. Think- you know, I think They Shall Not Grow Old might even be on HBO right now. I, mm. I thought yeah. I, I saw somebody in my Facebook feed remark of having seen it on cable recently. I think it is because it was funded or distributed in America by Warner Brothers. Right. So mm-hmm. Warner Brothers owns HBO. I would suspect that's probably so where it check is. Check your DVRs. It might be still be available or HBO Go or HBO Now. Yeah. So Friday, this is, this is a really eclectic World War, uh, World War, uh, War, War Week Two may be even better than War, War Week One. Uh, bigger, more m- longer, <laughs> uncut, easier, <laughs> but, uh, easier, quicker, more seductive. Uh, but uh, you know, it's a dessert f- topping and a finding the right film for Friday is going to be a challenge. Well, you know, there's a, a great movie about um, the resistance that we haven't talked about uh, that I think is often overlooked. Uh, and of course, I'm don't I'm say talk- Force Awakens, or you're so out of here. Okay. Well, then I'm, what I'm going to say instead. No. Well, what I'm going to say is, you know, I think the Val Kilmer classic, Top Secret. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a fun choice. Top Secret. That's a nice chaser for Friday. Right. Top Souvenirs. Although when you said Resistance, Steve, you've tricks. probably seen this. I love the, and this could have easily been my pick, the Jean-Pierre Melville film Army, Army of, Shadows, of Shadows about the French Resistance, mm. which is freaking amazing yes it's i think we saw it together in telluride that's another uh, we thing we saw have, telluride. We telluride and, and I think it was I, a revelation i'd never heard of it before yeah. it's an extraordinary film yeah. and it was only rediscovered about i was gonna say what, five ten years probably <laughs> 15, 15 years, 20 ago. years ago but uh so it's like you know, like last year no it was um but it was it was it was um uh re-released theatrically and um uh, it just it's one of these dark sort of noirish kind of World War II French resistance movies, and uh, with some also incredible set pieces, mm-hmm. and I think it, you know great performances, and it, it's based on a, you know a lot of real real things that happened, and also not a very happy ending if I recall, yeah. uh, but it's a really extraordinary uh, uh, movie, and a lot of those movies that were made in French in France in the era, um, which obviously suffered a huge amount during the war. Um, they have extraordinary stories of, uh, you know, great courage. I mean, there's the cliche of the French being, oh, we surrender, right? But um, the, the courage of the French resistance and... Um, Can you imagine your country being occupied by an army as powerful and ruthless yeah, as Yeah, because I saw Red army. Dawn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but there were these people in France that that weren't going to stand for that, no. and were going to do what they could do to undermine their efforts and, and help the Allies. Right. You know, it took a hell of a lot of guts. It, it did, and and you think of, um, you know, it'd be very easy to hide, you know, and just you know wait for the storm to pass yeah. and let others. But the, I mean, you know, and these were men, women, children who were all, you know, wanted their country back, and mm-hmm. and and were facing you know overwhelming odds. And this is, you know, even long before America entered the war, 
and there was no guarantee America would enter the war. There was a lot of resistance, you know, and, and a lot of people I don't think thought America would enter the war. Yeah. Um, it's, and, you know, it's, and these were largely civilians, you know, these right. weren't soldiers. These were, these yeah, were it's, just it's really, regular really, people. Really extraordinary. You um, know, uh, I know I'm going to get yelled at. Uh, but, <laughs> but since we're talking about the resistance, um, Inglorious Bastards. No, that's a legitimate mm-hmm. pick. That's absolutely mm-hmm. legitimate. I, and, and I mean, you look at that first 15 minutes, that may be one of the great first 15 minutes of, of 21st century mm-hmm. cinema. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a better first 15 minutes than that, uh, you know, which, in which uh, Christoph Waltz uh, Hans uh, you know, emerged onto the scene yeah. in America. And gives that amazing monologue that is just... The, the suspense in that scene is is really in, remarkable, incredible. I mean, I, I I don't think it's a perfect film by any means, but it's a completely legitimate pick and a, a, a real crowd pleaser. It's one of my mm. top three or four Tarantino movies. Yeah. I love it. We need to do Tarantino week. I yeah, think yeah. we're getting to the point. He's made enough films where we could program make a week of it. That's right. Um, Especially if we included things that he. Is wrote. in or produced or wrote? Yeah, yeah. We should do a Tarantino week. I'm, I'm going to give a little shout out since this is for Veterans Day. I'm going to talk about maybe throw out a movie that's about the the veterans' experience after the war, which I'm uh, talking about the best years of our yeah, lives, yeah. Mm. which won the Best Picture mm-hmm. in 1946, I believe. And uh, you know, it's an epic movie. It's like three hours long, but it 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 chronicles you know how these these uh, veterans you know have to reintegrate back into society after mm. serving in World War II and it's and if that's too slow for you you can try another veterans movie uh, First Blood right uh, <laughs> which has a little more action than Best Years of Our Lives uh, I oh. love First Blood Me too. by the way I think First I think Blood is great I think it's yes. terrific it's the best of the Rambo movies yeah, sure. I mean after that it's all a joke um, more out of the box I, I don't know if this counts as a war movie. no no it does because it is about the experience of, of World War II uh, Hope and Glory. John oh, Borman. that's, that's a so great right. movie. John right. Borman. Right. And it has that amazing, and as I just love the hell out of the ending when the, you know, the uh, the, the the blitz and, like, the, the kids are standing in the remains of the school and, like, he just looks at the sky. Thanks, Hitler! It's just, it's... <laughs> Awesome. What is more terrifying than the Blitz? I mean, yeah. any time the Blitz is, is depicted in cinema, right. it's just horrifying to have your city bombed from above night after night, not knowing where those planes are going to arrive and then mm-hmm. having to go to a bomb shelter and, you know, coming up and not knowing if where you live is right. going to be, uh, you know. Oh, and they were also hitting London with V1 and V2 yep. <laughs> rockets. Yeah. Like you never knew when one of those things was going to suddenly appear and. Uh, I, I, extraordinary. I mean, the courage of of, of uh, the the British during that war. It's they were. I mean, they were literally an island standing alone against yeah. you know fascism. It's 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 remarkable, which makes obviously the times we live in now even more um, upsetting. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that movie because I that's a movie I've been wanting to rewatch for a while, I and I it. I feel like it's difficult to find. It may not be out or easily available. On video, I seem to recall looking for it a while back and not being. John able to find Borman it. is another one of these chameleon directors that doesn't get to do the like Alan Parker, you know, because mm. you look at you know from Excalibur to Emerald Forest to Hope and Glory, and it's just, to Exorcist Two, The Heretic, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's amazing he could just do anything, yeah. and you know he's not somebody people talk about a lot, right. and it's really undeserved because he was a really remarkable director who did some really masterful films back going to Sword and Sorcery Week. We did Excalibur. I mean, he could be on so many of these different (laughs) weeks. Hope and Glory could easily be our pick for Friday. And just think how many directors could be represented in so many different genres. I mean, it's like John Ford, you know, you're going to have him in Western Week, right? But are you maybe in War Week, but are you really, you're not going to have him in Sci-Fi Week. You're not going to have him in, you know, John Borman could be in like eight different weeks. Mm -hmm. Now, I forget if we, if we, did a couple of these in Spielberg week. But Spielberg has done several uh, mm-hmm. we war, talked about Empire war Sun, movies. But we didn't pick it. We, we talked about Empire of the Sun. Um, he d- also did another little movie a called... Wars. Huh? Wars. <laughs> called Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> um, which is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, certainly for its first for its first reel. 
Yeah. Well, I think his first reel is yeah. great. I think the rest of it is a movie. Yes. Mm. Yeah. But a good. Uh, agreed. Movie. Yeah. I think it's a solid movie. I know that movie yeah. gets a lot of gets a lot of. There's crap. a lot of kickback uh, about it. Yeah. I don't honestly. I don't mind the bracketing sequences that much. Oh really? They I don't do. really bother yeah, me. Yeah. But mm. that that the Normandy sequence is that's the price heroin. of admission. I walked yeah. out with my the seat cushion from the theater stuck in my because <laughs> I was just that. Oh my god. Well, but. Uh, but Go ahead. This is, is this about uh, Saving Private Ryan? Yes. Okay. No. Because I was going to say that apparently uh, there, there's talk now that uh, the Sam Mendes film uh, oh, about World War One, 1917, is the first 20 minutes in Saving Private Ryan for two hours. A single And take, apparently right? it's extraordinary. Yeah. It would be so interesting to see that. It's supposed to be brilliant. We'll, yeah, we'll see if wait. that's the case. Because another war movie that Spielberg did. It's 1941. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> dude. And whatever you know, whatever you Hollywood. have to say about its about it, <laughs> its uh, intent, it certainly is well crafted, and it's insane. It's not really funny, though he thought it was. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, you know it it for those of you who haven't seen it, it's sort of a a look at the goings-on during uh, the sort of invasion scare that Southern California had in uh, in World War II. February 1942. Right? Yeah, yeah. I love, I love uh, uh, that you mentioned 1941. <laughs> I, I actually really enjoy 1941. I love that it gave us Raiders of the Lost Ark. Had that not yeah. failed so miserably, he right. probably would have never done Raiders That's or correct. had the discipline to do Raiders correctly. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a movie that, that gets a bad rap. I think part of it, he kind of buries it, even in that right. uh, Spielberg documentary. You know, he controls his narrative so tightly that, right. you know, I he wish he embraced it more yeah. at this point. He could afford to embrace it right. because he's done so many brilliant films and he's such a genius that, you know, it's like accept your failures, you know, rather than try and sort of hide push, them. Push them under the... You know, or make a joke out of it. Um, but... Uh, but I like 1941. I think it's fun, yeah. and I love it's overbaked and overheated yeah. and ridiculous. And yeah, it's too much of everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a director who can do anything gets to do anything, and right. it 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 blows up with just and uh, and teaches him discipline. And teaches him. <laughs> right. It's a great. It's a, right. it's great. Um, I would add, you know, just for pure pound for pound enjoyment, where Eagles Dare, oh my God, you know, oh, Clint Eastwood yeah. and 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 Richard Burton, and it's just one of these great World War II capers that were a staple of uh, '60s and '70s television. You know, they were on all the time. You know, right. the '60s they kept. They made so many of these movies. Uh, you know, you would talk about Kelly's Heroes last time, where Eagles Dare is, you know, just. Men on a Mission. Men on a Mission Guns movies. Guns of Navarro. Uh, Guns yeah. of Navarro. Yeah. Ten from Navarro. Bridge of the yeah. Requi. I mean, these are great movies. Um, Gary Cooper and Sergeant York is a wonderful yep. right. movie. Wonder Steve... Woman. Yeah. Wonder Woman, yeah. That that Wonder Woman would be legit a legitimate war movie. I mean, obviously World War One figures so prominently it's in that. It's certainly, it's, um, structurally, it's exactly the same as Captain America. Yeah, it is. <laughs> exactly yeah. the same. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I would make the case for my runner-up, certainly MASH. I think MASH is, uh, mm. you know, it was largely overshadowed by the TV series that spawned, mm -hmm. but Robert Altman's MASH is, is just really one of the great satires of war with some amazing performances by Donald Sutherland and uh, Sally Kellerman is in it, uh, mm -hmm. Elliot Gould is in it, John Shuck before he was the Klingon ambassador. <laughs> um, you know, or we denied Or Yo-Yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it's a very funny movie. It's a very smart movie and, and you know again it also very groundbreaking in terms of sort of parroting or satirizing the the the, the absurdity of war right. um but made for veterans day we shouldn't go with two comedies um I, you know i might bring up a, a movie that was a war movie made by a veteran uh, largely about inspired by or, or based in his experiences in the war and that's oliver stone's platoon right oh, yeah. where yeah, oliver stone absolutely. signed up he wasn't drafted he signed up yeah for the army and infantry and went over to Vietnam and served over there for I think a, did a full year in Vietnam and um, made this this film platoon you know uh, drawing from what he experienced and what he saw yeah. and what he heard about uh, in Vietnam and 
you know, it's kind of a traditional classical film where it mm-hmm. follows this this you know idealistic youth going in off, off to war and, and discovering that it's you know maybe far more horrible than he could have imagined. It was and, hugely impactful when it came out, yeah, and, and people don't remember picture. that. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, and great performances Charlie by Tom Berenger and. Um, uh, William Defoe, William Defoe is and the best use of adagio for strings in yeah. any movie I can think of, and it's you know it's got great production value, you know, and it's, it's got a great cast. Charlie Sheen is yeah. great in it. You know, he, has, he was actually he has a really tiger gr- blood. <laughs> he was a, <laughs> a sorcerer man. He was a great actor. This was right after Wall Street. And, yeah, and, and, uh, oh, right before there. Wall Street. Was it before yeah. Wall Street? Yeah, it before oh, Wall Street. it was before Wall Street. Yeah, but, just but after before. Salvador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is another interesting movie. James Woods is great in it. Yeah. Salvador. I don't like Salvador as much as Platoon. No. But, um, uh, but Platoon had kind of the, I mean, it won Best Picture that year, but it had the misfortune of coming out the same year as Full Metal Jacket, right. which, yeah. which eclipsed it, I think, yeah. uh, in, over and time. I, yeah, for sure. I mean, and I, by the way, Full Metal Jacket. Did we pick Full Metal Jacket? No. No, we didn't. Because, I mean, that, I think, is a great that's, that's what I thought great was going to be your pick. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two great movies. You have the Vincent D'Onofrio movie, which is great, and then right. you have uh, the, uh, the the second half of the The, the Joker show. The, the, Yeah, the Matthew yeah, Bodine <laughs> uh, movie, which is great. It's, yeah. it's uh, b- b- you know, all shot in England. Yeah. Um, well, and circling back to the courage of the British in wartime, there's Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah. yeah which, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. I love Dunkirk. Yeah, me too. I yeah. thought it was robbed of an Oscar. Uh, I thought it was a phenomenal I, movie. I felt yeah. very cold watching Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's British. Well, and sometimes they don't have the AC <laughs> set right. In <laughs> <laughs> it's no, a very I, chilly I, movie. I, I thought it was a remarkable uh, storytelling. Um yeah. Uh, I like The Hurt Locker a lot from oh uh, Catherine yeah, Bigelow. Yeah. I thought it was a really remarkable film mm-hmm. um, that gets a bum rap. People say, oh, it's too small to have won the Oscar, but it's a no, really it's great. Uh, great. And, and it's the only time I really ever liked uh, Jeremy Renner. No, oh. I mean, I, that movie, I, I didn't get to see it in the theater because I you know, just had a kid. And uh, I remember getting the, the screener and watching it and being so affected and moved by it and thinking, like, like this was September. I was thinking this movie's going to win Best Picture. Mm. Like it just there was no question in my mind. It's just it's a beautiful movie. It's just I mean it, it's because it's small. The smallness of it is what makes it work. Right. Three Kings and the I was really just going to say Three film, Kings. David O. Russell. Yeah. Um, again, Heartbreak a satire. Heartbreak Ridge. Ridge. <laughs> yeah, right about uh, How, Invasion of Grenada. Yeah. Another Clint Eastwood right. war movie. You say Grenada. I say Granada. Let's tomato, call the whole thing tomato. off. <laughs> How are we going to settle on a, a I don't Friday know. movie? I don't know. I think we just have to pick Patton, Patton again. <laughs> <laughs> because it's that good. Yeah. Um, I mean, what about, uh, I mean, was there one where we had a consensus at all? Dr. Strangelove. Weird Dr. Enough, Strangelove. Like our second choice. Maybe That's we'll true. do Kubrick Week. But, I mean, so many of these movies are just brilliant. Hope and Glory. Oh, Hope and Glory. I would do Hope and Glory. Silence. No, they, I, they, I, I love feeling that. It. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'll certainly go along with it if everyone else does. <laughs> I mean, my my one quibble would be since you know this is sort of Veterans Day yeah. related. It's, oh, you make it American or, from, or, here or, or, from here to eternity. From here to eternity, the uh, Fred Zinnemann film, the uh, Burt Lancaster. Tora, Tora, Tora. <laughs> A terrific. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to seeing: Roland Emmerich's Midway. Yeah, I just you know because the, there was the big overbaked. Um, Charlton Heston movie from the seventies and sense around, and I or was um, it underbaked? Well, <laughs> we're going to talk about Midway, and we're going to talk about Pearl Harbor and all of the. Then, by God, we should be talking about the Final Countdown. Oh, come on. <laughs> I thought we did that during Time Travel Week. We did, we did. Yeah, but we should still talk about it. Do we have to? No. Let's go with Stripes. Okay, <laughs> so. Um, I don't know. So many options. This is. This is a tough one. You don't like Dunkirk. I would do Dirty Dozen at this point. Uh, Sergeant York would be good. Um, I could do Dirty Dozen. I like the Dirty Dozen. Who doesn't I like, like the, the Dirty, dirty Dozen? dozen. Like Let's go with the Dirty Dozen. Come on, it's you. Friday. It's a fun, you know, it's, yeah. a, you know, it's a lot of seriousness yeah. during the week. We want to go out into the weekend with, uh, you know, a rousing, uh, you know, man on a mission. Let, let's yeah. face it. Dirty Dozen was the, the, the template for so many of these movies and continues to be. Sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And uh, and it's awesome. Yeah. It's unquestionably awesome. And it's got Ernie Borgnine. Yeah. You know what? What? What movie is not plussed up by Ernie Borgnine? Borgnine 
makes know. everything better. <laughs> everything <laughs> better with Borgnine. <laughs> That's right. And John Cassavetes is such a sleazebag in that movie. Oh, yeah. And Jim Brown's awesome in it. And it's just everyone's great in that yeah. movie. I mean, oh my God, it's just, it's so great. And you know what, how can you not have uh, a war week without Lee Marvin. He oh, was a veteran. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, 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 you know, he was also in Sam Fuller's great uh, Big Red One. Right. He could oh, kill a man with a look. One. So a he could kill a man with a look. And you know what? It's it's Lee Marvin. You had to get Lee Sold. Marvin. Sold. Okay. We're in. So yeah. this that was, was War one. Week Two, and hopefully there won't be a War Week Three. There was on NBC. Remember World War Three on yeah, NBC? Yeah, the yeah. miniseries that was terrible. Anyway, uh, Monday. Monday was, oh, They Shall Not Grow Old. Tuesday. The Great Escape. Wednesday. Captain America, the first Avenger. Thursday, To Be or Not To Be. And on Friday, The Dirty Dozen. That's an interesting week. That's a very, wow. another eclectic week. <laughs> Season two is shaping up in a very interesting <laughs> way, to say the least. Uh, and I'm just curious, I want to ask our uh, behind the big board... Uh, Mr. Bill Ritter, who we're very grateful to for making us sound great. Uh, Bill, what would your pick be for uh, World War uh, War Week Two? Uh, King of Hearts. King of Hearts. King of, King of Hearts. Hearts. Yeah, was that a John Cassavetes directed movie? I don't King know. of Hearts. An old movie. It's kind of. It's probably in the vein of your to be or not to be. Mm. My favorite. Well, I think we're all gonna have to check that yeah, out. Yeah. King of Hearts. Excellent. Languages in it. The French speak French. The Germans speak oh. German. Huh. And the snozberries taste like snozberries. Starbellies need to <laughs> and, and and producer Natalie Miscali, uh, do you have a pick for World War War We Do? <laughs> uh, probably a deer hunter. Oh, oh that's a good one. veteran. Yeah. Uh, the deer hunter. That's good for veteran veterans hunter. because it's all about coming back, coming home. Uh, yeah. You know, and Christopher Walken and De Niro and. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, good pick. Uh, sure. Michael Cimino, um, excellent pick. Wow. Excellent. You, you, you topped the, the 430 spurts. Um, uh, what, what are we? It doesn't sound right. Don't call I, them the track the spurts. spurts sounds right, but the 430 <laughs> spurts does not sound right. I got the, the 430 spurts. <laughs> there's I just there's got medicine for that. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, thank you for joining us. Spastic colon. <laughs> what fast food restaurant is that? Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us for 430 Movie. If you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Search's other podcasts, like Inglorious Trexperts every Saturday and The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday. And of course, Best Movies Never Made every other Monday. Great, great podcast. If you like movies and you like the 430 Movie, check out Best Movies Never Made with Steven Scarlatta and Josh Miller. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We, you know, uh, by rating the, sh the show, you um, let other people know they should be listening to it. We appreciate everybody on Twitter, uh, 43 Movie Pod, and um, uh, on Twitter and Instagram who are uh, recommending our podcast to other people. That's how people discover the podcast. And in the second season, we want to bring more and more listeners to our, our podcast to spread the gospel of great movies. Also, a very special thanks, as again, to uh, Bill Ritter and Natalie Miscali, our producer uh, here at Electric Search Studios. And, of course, Dean Devlin, without whom this show would not be possible. So on behalf of Steve, Darren, Ashley, and myself, Mark Altman, uh, we want to thank you. And we'll see you next week, next Friday, for an all-new episode of the 430 Movie. Until then, Eyewitness News starts now. Fallout. This episode is brought to you by Central Services. We do the work, you do the pleasure. Central Services. This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.